All right, everyone, you're listening to the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. I'm Franco Terrazano, the Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Renaud Broussard. He's our Quebec Director, and man, we got a win. We got a big taxpayer win, <laughs> and you know, let's be honest, the last two years, it's been a tough one for Canadian well, taxpayers. Rough. Yeah, it's been rough. <laughs> massive deficits, huge spending, massive debt accumulation. But we got a win and we got a big one. And it was in your backyard, Renault. So why don't you tell us about it? Uh, well, as as our listeners might have seen, uh, Quebec Premier Francois Legault was looking at putting a tax on people that were unvaccinated. You know, it's one of those issues that you can solve with taxes, apparently. Uh, but thankfully, uh, he ended up saying no. He ended up saying it was a bad idea, saying it was going to be divisive, saying that it was not going to work. And, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to take a victory lap on this, I think this one really belongs to the people. I, I agree. Our supporters uh, were all over this thing, but mm-hmm. I just heard, I think I heard something there. And I just want to clarify, you just said that Legault, even himself acknowledged that his own idea yeah. was a bad one. <laughs> I, I mean, kudos to him, right? There's not a lot of time where politicians are going to go on national TV to say, look, I was wrong. But he did do that. Uh, so when he pitched the tax initially, there were not a lot of details. He said it was going to be a significant amount. Uh, ended up being something between 100 and 800 based on revenue. Uh, but by his own admission, he said, look, this, is, this was going to be a very divisive proposal. Uh, we've seen that people were heavily against it. Uh, and as such, we're going to try a different approach, one where uh, instead of punishing, we're going to, you know, uh, we're, we're going to give them a hand and try to see if we can get more people to be vaccinated. So it's really a shift for Legault, who was one of the most, uh, that had some of the most punitive measures uh, in the country on vaccination. And as he put it, I mean, it's, he saw there was a lot less support than he taught amongst the population. And I think for this, once again, like this is a win that belongs to the people. Uh, the opposition is going to try and claim credit. There's a bunch of people who are going to try and claim credit, but really at the end of the day, it's people emailing their politicians, sending letters to politicians, uh, you know, telling politicians that this is wrong, that they don't want to see a vax tax that actually got this win. Yeah. And Renault, just for our listeners out there, like here's a difference between Renault and I. I like to I like to show off. Like if I get a win, <laughs> people are going to know about it. I'm going to be telling everyone. My mom's going to be getting a phone call. Mama, listen to what I just did. <laughs> Renault, I think you're right that you have to acknowledge the people are our supporters just hammered let go uh, right right away right no 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 this is a new tax we don't need any new taxes but just break break down some of the stuff that you did some of the stuff that all CTF uh, supporters and directors did like what do we do here to get this win well uh, other than grabbing a cold one was that when that was announced because yeah I'm going to celebrate a bit too um Aren't that what we did is we uh, we emailed our supporters. Uh, we asked all of the good folks that uh, that support us uh, what their opinion was on the vax tax, and to send an email to their politician to do something to let their politicians know that they were against it. Uh, you and I, we both wrote some uh, opinion pieces in uh, in major media outlets. Uh, we did a couple of interviews on it, uh, and and one of the things I think that uh, we did bring, at least in Quebec. Uh, was to bring debate about why the vax tax is bad for those who are vaccinated too, uh, because there's a lot of risk. This is this is a tax where you'd give the the CRA or in Quebec the, the Quebec Revenue Agency the right to look at your private and confidential medical information. Now this is a thing that usually is between you 
and your doctor. Uh, your wife or husband can see it. If your kids are over 14, you can't see it. But now they were looking at expanding this to 12,000 tax bureaucrats so that they could just snoop around. But there were a lot of really bad things for, for vaccinated people too. And by kind of expanding that debate saying, you know, let, let's let's take a break before we, we try and punish people and end up punishing ourselves as well. Uh, I think this is one of those things that really worked. But once again, it is a people sending emails, telling their politicians they're against it. Uh, especially in, in an election year, I think that's what had the biggest impact. Yeah, I mean, our, our supporters, like, they, they, they deserve a ton of kudos on this one. Now, you've already talked about the privacy angle. I mean, that is such a good angle. And, and honestly, I, I think you had the best arguments on that front. Uh, but there was another thing that we were worried about from the taxpayer perspective, and it's the reason that we were all over this. And it was a reason that we thought that whether you're unvaccinated or you're vaccinated, you have to fight it. And it's the Absolutely. slippery slope. It's the slippery slope Absolutely. argument. So Renaud, tell us what this slippery slope thing was. Well, here's the thing. Whenever uh, government bureaucrats get access to a new way of taxing people, uh, they'll very qu quickly try and see how they can reach from a very small subset of people submitted to taxation to a very large and ultimately everybody being submitted to tax. Uh, so what this would have meant uh, in terms of health taxes is uh, since they would get access to our confidential and private medical data, they could start looking at certain behaviors and see how they could get uh, another couple of extra bucks here and there for various behaviors. Uh, and it might sound a bit crazy to say this, uh, but this is something we've seen in the past. Uh, the income tax, when it was first applied in 1917, about 2% to 8% of Canadians actually had to file an income tax report simply because it only applied on richest Canadians. Now, I don't know about you, I'm definitely not making top 1% salary, uh, <laughs> but I, I still have to pay a significant amount of taxes. Yep. I think that's the same for every single one of our listeners. Um, so, so what it could have been in terms of slippery slope, I mean, someone that actually likes to practice hockey, well, you actually have uh, four times uh, higher chances of getting injured while you, uh, while you play hockey than when, you're, than when you go walking, uh, or someone working in the manufacturing. Uh, if you compare that to an office job, well, you have a lot more chances of getting hurt uh, while at your work in manufacturing. And these are the kinds of behaviors that federal bureaucrat, uh, provincial bureaucrats at the revenue agency could have started to, to look at and see how they could link it and how, how to get, once again, a couple of extra bucks from your pocket every single year. Yeah, so I, that's exactly that's exactly such a good point, right? This could just open up Pandora's box, lead to a raft of new different types of taxes that our politicians would love to get their grubby paws on. Um, <laughs> and and I just want to point out too that this is following a very unfortunate trend that we're seeing from politicians and bureaucrats. It seems like the only so-called solution that these politicians and bureaucrats can offer. To today's problems is just higher taxes, right? The, some politicians yeah. want us to drive fewer trucks, ah, just hammer them with a carbon tax. When the carbon tax doesn't work, when emissions continue to go up, ah, just hammer them with higher carbon taxes. You know, we've got sky high housing prices in many cities in Canada. So what do these bureaucrats want to do? Ah, they just want to fund a report looking at a new type of home tax. So it's following a very, very unfortunate uh, trend that we've been seeing. Now, Renault, I've got two more questions for you before I let you go. The first one is I want to play a little devil's advocate, right? We, we hear 
from many health bureaucrats that the way out of this pandemic is to increase the vaccination among our population. So given that, I mean, wouldn't this vax tax, wouldn't it have helped solve this pandemic? I mean, look, first off, I'm not a public health expert. Uh, There's people that know a lot more about this than I do that say the vaccine's a way out. Fair. Uh, But when it comes to taxes, I think this is something I know a lot more. And uh, the fact is a $100 to $800 annual fee based on income probably wouldn't have changed a lot of people's minds. And actually, that's what Quebec's finance minister said as well. Uh, When they looked at modeling, uh, because of revenue, the tax will only apply to half of those who are not vaccinated. So already you're going to like from 8% of the population down to about four. And just look at it this way from from a very logical perspective. Uh, If you're convinced that a vaccine is going to harm you in some way, it's going to make you less healthy, it's going to cause some health problems for you. Uh, you're probably going to be willing to pay 100 to 800 bucks to protect your health. And, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Uh, if the government wants to convince more people to get vaccinated, that's fine. But it should not try and force and punish people to, to getting vaccinated. There's a lot more effective ways. The vaccine tax just isn't one of them. And once again, that's exactly the conclusion that our finance minister came to. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe we have to say it, but we're not going to tax our way out of a pandemic. Uh, now exactly. that now that being said, Renault, what's what's our solutions here? What, what what should we be seeing? I mean, it's hospital beds. It's been the same thing for two years, right? It's the the whole reason why our governments are putting very very strict health measures is to try and prevent our our healthcare system from getting out overloaded. Uh, the problem is we're two years in. Our healthcare system is still overloaded. There's nothing that has been done really to increase the hospital capacity. Uh, and this is not this is not something that started recently. There's headlines from 1982 hmm. under Quebec Premier René Lévesque about hospitals running out of beds and why we need to do more. Uh, and when we look at international comparisons, Quebec is about 1.9 hospital bed per thousand people. That's about the same as Botswana. Hmm. Uh, Canada's a bit better on average at 2.5, uh, but our our peers in the OECD are the other high income countries. Have on average five, They're, they've got double the health capacity as we have. Uh, and even when we compare with another country that's very similar to Canada, which is Australia, uh, because it has a low population density, a, a rapidly aging population, um, Australia, despite spending a little bit less than we do on healthcare every year, has 50% more beds than we do. So this is really a problem about health, uh, about hospital capacity, and uh, the fact that the way we spend our money uh, is simply not trickling down to where we actually need it. Yeah, those are some great points. I mean, even before the pandemic, we had the problem where Canadian taxpayers were paying a ton of money for government mm-hmm. health care, but we weren't getting the best results. Fast like, forward. I, 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 don't, I don't remember seeing any news headline about how uh, we finally got rid of hospital wait times even before this <laughs> yeah. thing happened. Yeah, the, the opposite is, is, is <laughs> what, we, what we saw, even from some reports. Uh, I remember the Fraser Institute, for example, they, they do a lot of good stuff on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but And we also have to remember, right, over the two, two years, we've seen the federal government dish out about $511 billion on these pandemic lockdown subsidies. We've seen, uh, in total, provincial health care budget since 2020 being nearly $400 billion. So how many hundreds of billions of dollars do taxpayers need to fork over uh, before our healthcare system isn't on the brink of collapse? And then also too, like 
our politicians, they've had hundreds of billions of dollars to spend. Uh, they mm -hmm. haven't missed a paycheck. Neither have our top <laughs> healthcare bureaucrats. So I think we need to hold them accountable for not coming up with better solutions. Um, Anyways, Renault, I just want to say, great job, dude. Way to just hold these politicians' feet to the fire right away. Way to way to get our supporters engaged. Huge kudos to our supporters who did take action. And people, we have to stay ready to fight uh, because I'm sure this won't be the last bad idea coming from a politician. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, more accountable government. Uh, my friend and colleague, Franco Terrazano. Franco, you're holding down the fort there in Ottawa as our federal director. And in between listening to the symphony of trucker horns, uh, you actually managed to put together this massive pandemic pay hike report. It landed on the front page of the Sun newspaper chain. So what gives? Uh, what was the main takeaway you found from this report when it came to pay raises? Well, first of all, let me just show you the front page. Here it is. Oh, man. Pretty cool. Hey, this is Rich. Uh, that was Ryan Lilly's story covering our report. So first, you know, pretty cool to see CTF work on the front page of the Sun newspaper. And the whole report was kind of boils down to this. We have seen a tale of two downturns during the pandemic. One has been full of private sector pain. So many people lost their job, maybe lost their business, took a pay cut. But, on, but then on the other hand, you have politicians and bureaucrats that have actually financially gained during the pandemic. And here's what I'm talking about. Through access to information requests, we found that more than 528,000 federal and provincial government employees received at least one pay raise during the pandemic. Uh, 312,000 of those were federal government employees. Uh, but here's another thing. We didn't find a single federal or provincial government that cut pay for its employees. In fact, the federal government doesn't have any records of ever giving its employees a pay reduction. That's huge. Um, like you, I can sit probably like you, uh, my phone number is pretty publicly available, right? And so people, I've lost count of how many people in the last two years have called here. Um, they think I'm a government person and can help. And they'll tell me things like what happened to their gym, what happened to their hair salon, that they're a tradesperson that hasn't been able to get any work. Like people are really at the end of their ropes. Um, they've seen either their businesses go down completely or they've had their pay drastically cut back at least for a year during this two year long pandemic. And it really speaks volumes. You know, we're not all in this together, are we? Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate when you put it like that, because nobody wants to say that. But I but I think the writing is on the wall at this mm -hmm. point. We're, we're not all in this together. And, and Chris, you know, I mentioned the, the more than 528,000 federal and provincial government employees that received a raise. You know, that's that's going to cost a lot of money that taxpayers in the private sector really are going to have to pay back. But here's the real slap in the face to taxpayers. Our politicians, our supposed representatives in Ottawa, on Parliament Hill, our members of Parliament have taken two pay raises during the pandemic while millions of their constituents suffered 
with the COVID restrictions, with the job losses and things of that nature. Now, these MP pay raises range from $6,900 for your backbencher all the way up to an extra $13,800 for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And I mean, these people are, are, are paid very well. Your backbench member of parliament receives $185,000 salary. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau receives $371,000 through his annual salary. It's a really important point. And I'll add on to that, actually, just myself. I noticed that it was political parties, all of them other than the Bloc Québécois, dipped into the emergency wage benefit on top of that to pay for their laptop set at their hmm. headquarters. So again, that's not staffers on the Hill. Those are spin doctors and people who work for the parties working at their party headquarters. They were taking some of those wage subsidies too. And I will point out uh, that the lady that I used to know here as the waitress at our local uh, restaurant, who's now stocking shelves overnight at the dollar store, trying to desperately pay her rent. That's what that money was initially for. That was not intended to help pay for staffers of political parties. And this taxpayer's money sure as heck should not have gone to politicians who were taking pay hikes during the pandemic. Now, how do we stack up uh, politician wise uh, compared to other leaders around the world? Uh, not good. Not good. We've already seen Canadian politicians federally take two pay raises. They're set to gobble up their third pandemic pay raise on April 1, right? So, so not good. Meanwhile, we have found at least 30 jurisdictions where sometime during the pandemic, their politicians took a pay cut. I mean, there's probably more. We found at least 30. I mean, we, what we should have seen in Canada is what happened in New Zealand. Almost immediately when COVID-19 touched down, you saw New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. She stood up and she said, you know what, I'm going to take a 20% pay cut. So are our ministers and so are the top bureaucrats in the New Zealand government as well. They took a 20% pay cut to show solidarity with the struggling taxpayers who are paying their checks. And also, Chris, I have to say too, I mean, this shouldn't be rocket science for our members of parliament to stop these pay raises. We have seen it done before. Back in 2010 to 2013, under the Harper government, they stopped these pay raises in response to the tough times of the 0809 recession. Oh, for sure. Uh, one of the things that really gets me the most angry is when they'll throw up their hands and say, oh, well, it was automatic. It was in the legislation. What are we to do? Dude, you're literally sitting in the legislature. Yeah. You are a lawmaker. It is entirely within your power to reverse these pay hikes. Now, I was reading through your report, and it wasn't just the insult of having paid or salaries increasing, right? The actual volume of bureaucrats, like the, the bodies who are employed by the government, that increased as well. That's that's correct. So taxpayers, we're not just paying for higher, bigger, uh, higher bureaucrat salaries. We're also paying for more bureaucrats. So uh, the last I checked... There's about 319,000 federal government employees. Now, the number of government employees federally has increased by more than 56,000 federal bureaucrats since 2017, which is about 14,000 additional federal employees every single year since 2017. Now, Chris, maybe I missed something. Maybe I wasn't watching the news as closely as I should, but I don't remember hearing uh, about this Ottawa bureaucrat shortage, right? So why are we seeing thousands and thousands of new federal employees every single year for, for five years? Um, now, Chris, maybe you, maybe your audience, you might have heard some of these federal politicians, maybe even bureaucrats talking about how 
uh, we have recovered the jobs lost during the pandemic. Mm. The issue, the issue there is, well, which jobs have been recovered? So since the beginning of the pandemic, we have seen uh, about 312,000 new government jobs. Of that, 114,000 or so are public administration bureaucrats. So those aren't nurses, those aren't doctors, those aren't teachers, those are public administration bureaucrats, 114,000 of them. Now, while we've seen more government jobs added during the pandemic, we still see 80,000 fewer jobs outside of government. So it has not been an even recovery. No, absolutely not. Uh, I have a friend in Alberta who used to be a manager, like a very reasonably paid hotel manager for a good hotel there in Alberta. And because of what's happened, yeah, she's also actually, she's also stocking shelves at mm. a dollar store in order to try to help her husband make the rent. So even if they've you know recovered a job, quite often it's not even anywhere close to the same job on top of that. And to be clear, like you just pointed out with these bureaucrat jobs at the at the government level, these are not, you know, humbly paid janitors that we're talking about here. In many cases, you were saying that these bureaucrats are making six figures or more. That's correct. So not only are we talking about these bigger costs, but we also have to recognize that there's just a lack of transparency on Parliament Hill. Unlike the vast majority of provincial governments, the federal government doesn't have a sunshine list. So there isn't a list that discloses their top earning employees. So we had to file access to information requests to get all of this information. We asked for the number of federal employees that receive an annual salary that's more than 100000 nearly 75,000 federal employees would be on the sunshine list because they would make a six-figure salary. Now, that's a huge eye-watering number. But again, what's, what's really an issue here is that we've seen that number increase by nearly 6,000 federal employees during the pandemic. Between 2019 and 2020, the federal sunshine list would have increased by nearly 6,000 employees. Now, that sunshine list would have increased by, near, by over 31,000 federal employees since 2015. So not only are we paying for bigger bureaucrat salaries, not only are we paying for more bureaucrats, but we're also paying for more bureaucrats with bigger salaries. Unreal. So we really want to hit the nail on the head here, folks. Uh, the next time you see a politician or a bureaucrat standing at a podium telling you that everything needs to be locked down or they need to do this or they need to do that because we're all in this together, you remember no we're not. We are not all in this together. You can go to our website, taxpayer.com, take a look at the pandemic pay hike and take a read and figure out just exactly how different we really are when it comes to us in the private sector, taking it in the teeth during this pandemic and those who work for the government. Franco, thanks for this. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right, everyone. I'm Franco Terrazano. I'm the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And you're listening to, of course, the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. And I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Renaud Brassard. He is our Quebec and Atlantic Director. Renaud, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. You? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Now let's jump into something that's really been boiling <laughs> my blood, right? All these pay raises going out to all these politicians and all these bureaucrats. Man, we have been hammering the federal government about this, but our report also talks about the provincial governments as well. So why don't you tell us what's going on in the provinces? 
Well, you know, you and I are doing all right, but those who are really doing all, all right, they're the bureaucrats working in provincial governments. Because we're seeing exactly the same thing with them uh, as what you and Simmer just talked about uh, for the federal government. Uh, in that report, we saw that there's 212,000 government employees uh, across all provincial governments that got uh, some raises last year. This goes from about 3,700 in small places like PEI to 65,000 in Ontario. And, you know, let's remember what was happening in the private sector while all this was happening. Uh, I don't know about you, but I still remember those headlines from back in March 2020, uh, when we saw that a million Canadians had lost their jobs. Like, that's a lot of people. Thankfully for you and I, we just saw those headlines, but the, there's this is a million real people that lost their jobs, had to go through hardship. Uh, and even now, while there's still some recovery, we're not fully recovered yet. Uh, when we look at it, there's 80,000 less jobs in the private sector and self-employed people. This, this is, once again, 80,000 people that have lost their jobs since the pandemic started and haven't been able to get back to their work, either as uh, self-employed entrepreneurs or as, uh, as salaried employees in the private sector. Uh, so the private sector is not back to normal. Uh, but for governments, even at the height of the pandemic, things was just business as usual. They kept handing out raises as if nothing had happened. Yeah, and that's why we've been talking about this tale of two pandemics, right? The full of private sector pain, so many people losing their jobs, taking pay cuts, maybe even losing their small business. But then when you look at government, you have bureaucrats and politicians that are actually getting financial gain out of this, right? Pay raises. Um, yep. And just for anyone who hadn't heard the last conversation with me and Simmer, there was 312,000 federal government employees um, that got a pay raise during the pandemic, more than 200,000 provincial government employees as well. Now, Renaud, you know, I have to play devil's advocate. We got our <laughs> boss making me play a little bit of devil's advocate, pushing back on you. So you got over 200,000 provincial employees that got a pay raise. Well, Reno, I'm in Ontario. There's more than a million people here in Ontario. Um, so maybe the number of government employees getting a raise isn't that much. What do you say to that? Well, it's, it's actually a lot more than that. So the what we got back was what they call core government employees. So that's people working directly in government departments. That does not include the school boards. That does not include all the agencies like the Quebec Revenue Agency here. All those people are counted separately. Uh, so I know in my own province of Quebec, uh, just to give that in, that example, uh, there were about 45,000 employees that got raises. Uh, core government employees are about 60,000 in Quebec. So it's still a majority of them that got raises. A lot of them uh, are also part-time and stuff like that. So when we look at a problem, it's actually much, much bigger than this. Quebec actually gave us one of the best glimpses into just how costly this is. Um, because while they did not provide us with a total number of people on the government payroll that got raises. They did provide us with the cost of all those raises for all the people on the government payroll. And that's 3.1 billion since the pandemic started. This is a lot of money. Uh, and just to put in perspective, 3.1 billion, Quebec's whole budget for paying employees is 53 billion this year. Uh, so that's about 6%. And this is just the raises they got. The raises. It wow. is extremely expensive. Wow. So let me just, let's just repeat that one more time, because I think that's, it's so crucial. So, so the 212,000, when we're talking about, that's the number of provincial government employees that received a raise. That's not, that's not including every single provincial government yeah. employee. 
right? Okay, so mm-hmm. another thing I want us to nail down, you said Quebec government employee pay raises <laughs> was $3 billion. Now that's just the cost of pay raises. That's not yep. the total bureaucracy. No, exactly. The total bureaucracy, once again, it's $53 billion. The cost of the pay raises is $3 billion. Wow. And, you know, not everyone knows a Quebec budget by heart, but that $53 billion is 55% what we spend on programs. Like, this is, this is healthcare spending levels, basically. It's, it's a lot of money that we spend paying people in government. And those raises, those $3 billion, it is a whole lot of money that taxpayers have to pay extra now, despite the fact that they're still hurting, despite the fact that not all of them have gotten their jobs back, despite the fact that some of them, uh, even those that manage to keep their business now have a significantly higher debt load, it is still extra money we have to pay them. Yeah, I'm going to ask you just one more question, but I do want to just reiterate what you just said. It's very important. Remember, all these pay raises, folks, they're, they're going to have to be paid back. Right. It's, mm-hmm. and, and we have to remember that, especially when you're talking about provincial governments, uh, labor costs, the bureaucracy tends to be the largest cost driver. So if if politicians if bureaucrats, if they're not willing to share in the tough times, then guess who's going to have to pay for all this. Right. And that's why we have been saying it's so important that our politicians and bureaucrats be willing to share in the tough times, because it's not fair to make those workers who lost their job or those small businesses who had to close down, to pay for all these pay raises. Okay, Renault though, last question. Do we see any cuts anywhere? Do we see any cuts? Uh, no, unfortunately we did not. Uh, the closest thing we saw was Manitoba uh, that told its government employees it, had, it would have to take five days of vacation. Uh, you know, they, while a lot of people were losing their jobs, weren't sure exactly where their, uh, their next meal would come from or, you know, had to take a little bit more debt on their credit cards. Uh, some government employees got to uh, stay home for five extra days. Uh, and that's really the only place where we saw uh, some movement. Everywhere else, uh, there were no cuts. There was no difference. Uh, and even historically, I mean, uh, you know, there's that report from Second Street that's, uh, that's absolutely phenomenal. It looked at historically, like, when there were cuts. Uh, for a lot of provinces, that, that is decades ago, the last time they had any cuts. And in some cases, like even, even the federal government, they didn't have a single record showing that they ever cut government, employ- uh, government employee pay. So once again, it's, you have people in the private sector that are losing their jobs, are losing their income, people, business owners that are seeing their revenues drop significantly and their expenses go up. And then you have gov- people in government that, uh, you know, at worst, had to take a couple of days off, stay at home with the kids. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Hundreds of thousands of government employees that received a raise, not a single federal provincial government bureaucrat uh, taking a cut while the private sector was just absolutely decimated. So this is what we're saying, right? Clear divide during the pandemic. Those that have been shielded from financial reality, those that are behind the golden government gates and the private sector that has been decimated and will be forced to pick up the growing tab. Well, Renaud, thanks for coming on and talking about the provincial side of this pandemic pay raise report. I'm sure we'll get you on again soon. And for all of our, uh, and for all of our listeners and supporters, this is more than just talking about the information. We have to take action. Pick up the phone, contact your MP, MLA, email your MP or MLA, and tell them your story and tell them that it's not fair for you to face a higher tax bill because government bureaucrats and politicians aren't willing to share in the tough times. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. 
If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.